0: In today's episode, we're talking with one of my favorite friends here in Nashville, author Hannah Seymour. Hannah's an amazing writer. She's a mentor, a Bible teacher, and a friend, and I love the conversation we have in store for you today. So here's the deal. In just a few weeks, Hannah's coming out with her very first book. It's called The College Girl Survival Guide, and can I just tell you, it is amazing. In it, she's answering 52 of the biggest questions and concerns we have as we're going through college, and you guys, she knocked it out of the park. She talks about everything from how to pick your major to how to know if you should transfer to a different school, how to get along with your parents when you're home over summer break, and how to navigate the party scene. She talks about roommate drama and how to make friends, and what to do about that freshman 15 or the freshman 20 if you were me in college, and that's just the beginning. But here's why I love this episode. Today, Hannah and I are going to be talking through some of my favorite questions she answered in the book, and I love them because they're not just applicable to college students. They're applicable to all of us here are just a few of the things we talk about in our conversation today. We talk about how to find a really great church and how to get involved. We talk about how to navigate transitions in a way that helps us thrive instead of feeling crushed by them, and everyone said, amen. Uh, We talk about how to find and make really great friends and how who we choose to surround ourselves with might be the most important decision we ever make. Hannah gives us practical advice for how to handle difficult roommates, which is funny because that absolutely applies to us in every stage of life, including marriage. We talk about relationships, specifically friends with benefits, and what to do if you find yourself in that situation, either physically or emotionally, and that's just the beginning. This was such an emotional conversation for both of us. At the beginning of the conversation, Hannah shares an embarrassing story that actually had me crying. I was laughing so hard. And towards the end of our conversation, we both actually cried as Hannah talks about what to do if you find yourself in a situation that happens far too often, both in college and after. She talks to us about sexual assault and rape. Guys, this is a big, important conversation for all of us, whether you're a college student or you graduated a long time ago, I'm really excited to share it with you. But before I do, there's something I wanted to make sure to tell you about. So since Hannah and I are talking all about college and the ways our lives change while we're in college, I wanted to make sure y'all have had a chance to download the story of how my life changed in college. It's my first book, The Lipstick Gospel. The Lipstick Gospel is the story of how I met Jesus, how I became a Christian, and how he totally transformed both me and my life. The Lipstick Gospel is the story of the worst breakup I've ever been through and how God put my heart back together from it. It's a travel memoir, a story of transformation and hope, and if you're going through a breakup right now, or if you could use some encouragement in your faith, or if you want to get closer to God but don't know how, or if you're struggling to say yes to the plans God has for your life, or if you're feeling some shame about some past mistakes, or gosh, a million other things, I would love to share this book with you. You can either download a copy of the book for free, yay for free books, right? Or if you're a paperback gal like me, we have those too. You can pick them both up in my shop. It's SmeyWilsonshop.com, or through the link in my Instagram profile. I'm at Wilson over on Instagram. The other thing is, if you've already read the Lipstick Gospel, which I know lots of you have, I wanted to make sure to tell you that we have two new books to go along with it. This last summer, I came out with a Lipstick Gospel Prayer Journal and the Lipstick Gospel Devotional. They're tools and resources to help you walk towards a more fulfilling relationship with God, with your life, and with yourself. And you can find those in the shop as well. Okay, without any further ado, here's my conversation with Hannah. Y'all might have a little bit of deja vu today because we have had Hannah on the podcast before. Hannah, congratulations. You are our very first repeat guest.
1: I am How so honored and not <laughs> deserving of this status, but I feel like it's going to go on my resume and I might make a plaque for myself and hang it here in my office.
0: I thought about bringing you a plaque. Like, oh my God. Um, <laughs> just like, you know, um, I'm a big fixer upper fan. I could watch it, you know, like. I watch all the marathons, whatever. But, you know, they always, like, have kind of a baton or some sort of award or whatever. I thought about trying to find something random in my house to bring to you as a guest. I would
1: have received it gladly.
0: We'll see what we can do about this. Um, So, Hannah, you have been on the podcast before. And, really, we have a celebrity here with us because (laughs) your podcast episode is absolutely our most popular (laughs) one
1: yet. Yeah, nothing to do with me. It's all about the topic.
0: (laughs) No. Well, so, Hannah, the last time you were here, um, you shared with us... Um, We talked about sex in marriage and answered a ton of questions that we all have about sex once we get married and you did an amazing job and I still hear from people. I mean, I hear from people all the time who loved the episode and I loved it. Um, So that's really fun. But for anyone who hasn't heard you before or gotten to meet you yet, um, tell us just like a kind of brief summary. Tell us about who you are.
1: Yeah, so obviously I live here in Nashville, and I am an author and blogger, and I'm starting to get out and speak a little bit more. Um, in my day job, I actually am an executive director of a nonprofit and produce their podcast, which is so fun. So I co-host that podcast, um, but it's way more fun just being a guest on your stuff. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you should give me an award.
1: <laughs> Yes, I'll most, work on that, too. Most fun
0: podcast. <laughs> most though.
1: fun podcast to ever be on. Oh, um, okay. But yeah, I have a book coming out. Um, well, by the time y'all hear it will, it, will the book be out? I think it'll be closed. Okay, so April 3rd is when my first book is coming out. And the book is called The College Girl Survival Guide. And it really stems from what my career has been the, over a decade, which is working on different colleges and universities, um, primarily in South Carolina, D.C. area, and then Tennessee. And so, and just two years ago, took a shift from university life to nonprofit world really so that I could pursue finishing this book and starting to get out and speak more and um, hopefully touch more college women, you know, in a larger way than just one-on-one in my day job.
0: Yeah. Oh gosh, I love it. I'm so excited for our topic. I'm so excited to hear from you on this um, because I got to read your book um not long ago, and actually, I completely forgot about this. I'm so glad I remembered. Um, I, I knew that you were sending me an advanced copy of your book, okay? So I open my, I'm like, I, I get a knock on the door, a package is at my door. I go to, like, open it, and maybe an hour before this happened, I had I had gotten four cavities filled. Yeah. My mouth was, like, absolutely numb. Like, from top to bottom, I couldn't feel my tongue. I couldn't feel anything. They had to, like, really, really, like, dose me up with numbing stuff. And so my whole mouth was numb. And I didn't... This totally took me by surprise. I thought it was going to be maybe a month before I got a copy of your book. But I opened the door, and I opened the package, and it's your book. And I start freaking out, and I wanted to give you my honest reaction about how (laughs) totally excited I was to read your words. So I started to take a video, not realizing actually how numb my mouth was because no one was home. I hadn't gotten to like test out to see how I could really talk. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't even, I can't say anything. Like I cannot make my mouth work. And then I thought, I love her so much. I'm doing this anyway. So you were the only one who got evidence of how numb my mouth was that day. So I'm like, Hannah, I got your book. I'm so excited.
1: It was just, I... I'm sure we have that somewhere, but oh, I've got it and I've saved it in a safe place for an important time. No, I'm scared for <laughs> the right
0: moment, for the right moment to blackmail. That's right. Anyway, but I mean, I was like freaking, all good friends too, totally mm-hmm. right. Yeah. So I was freaking out. I loved it, and um, I truly like read it cover to cover in like a day and a half. You're so and, sweet, and I didn't even do it for you. Like I really, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would have done it for you, but I it was it was easy because it was so good. Oh, thanks. Um, and I loved it because it applied even to my life now, there were things that were really encouraging and like just wisdom and reminders and things I needed to hear, even though the book isn't for me. I'm not in college anymore. Um, And so, I I mean, I loved it for that reason. And that's one of the reasons I'm so excited to have you here today is because I know that a lot of... Um, our listeners in our community are in college, but I also know a lot of them aren't. But I mean, truly the things you talk about in here are applicable to all of us. And so I'm so excited to talk about these things. Um, but really, I mean, I read your book cover to cover. I loved it. Thank it, you. Um, like, I love the that that you, all everything you talk about. So I want to just read like the... Um, subtitle so everyone kind of knows what we're talking about so like you said it's called the college girl survival guide and it's 52 honest faith-filled answers to your biggest concerns and I love it because those 52 concerns you have in there are like dead on they're (laughs) so dead on they're things like every single one I was like oh yeah oh yeah oh my gosh I totally remember that like I mean everything was just exactly our 52 biggest concerns as we're going through college um and I love the way you came back at those concerns like the um you were like funny and relatable and honest and and like um Gave us, give us kind of like a kick when we needed it. Um, but also like, and, and you you like shared scripture and talked about like what God says about this without even a shred of cheesiness. I mean, it just, I cannot wait so. for this to come out so I can buy it for everybody.
1: Thank you. It means so much coming from you. And I am not joking when I say you're probably going to be one of my only friends that actually reads my book because people just, it's like, even if your best friend writes a book, people don't read it. They don't no. care. No. So Anyway. I read the of gospel. You've now read the college girl survival guide. This is great. Real <laughs> friends. I feel like actually, yeah. high yep. five. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: so true, though. Like, uh, I hear from real, like, m- some of my closest friends on the on a regular basis that are like, "I'm hoping to start your podcast sometime soon." <laughs> I'm like, you've been on it. So great. <laughs> uh, friends are the best. Worst. Yeah. Yep. Um. So anyway, so what what I wanted to do today is I wanted to um kind of go through some of the sections that you cover in here yeah. because you talk about like really you cover the gamut of of the things that we experience in college and so I picked out some of my favorites and I want to ask you um it's really like question and answer style yep. um and so I want to ask you some of the questions and then kind of hear your answer on them um but before we even get into any of that actually oh my gosh I almost forgot this so listen as well as getting a plaque for being our first Thank you. Second thank time
1: you. Thank
0: you. guest on the podcast. <laughs> I also told Hannah she was going to have to pay for this. Yeah. And that comes in the form of not a fun fact. We've already heard a fun fact from Hannah. I asked for an embarrassing story. Which... And she
1: said she was going to work. I It's a high price. I would also like to say my fun fact. If you haven't listened to the, the sex episode, we could call it the sex episode. Um, my fun fact <laughs> was also kind of embarrassing. So I don't even know if Steph remembers, but she laughed really hard when I, I shared it. So this embarrassing story, it was I was so embarrassed by this for such a long time that I I made I made up like another embarrassing story for years to share because I like the, the embarrassment of the true story stung for too long. So I was in high school and I was not like team popular in high school. I like to think that I was like in the B class. Like I could hang with the A kids, but I was I was a solid B kid in high school. Um, and so I'm in the bathroom and one of the A-listers is also in the bathroom. And I mean, I don't know what your high school is like. Mine was semi-prison looking. I went to a public school. Mm -hmm. So like the bathrooms were not glamorous. They were disgusting actually. There are people who like would go home to use the restroom because they hated using our bathrooms. Yeah. Special. Yeah. that's So, um, you know, like any girl does, you potty squat, right? Like you don't sit full down, on the seat because it's gross. It has, like, probably it had cigarette ashes, honestly, at my my school. Okay. So I am just, like, squatting over the toilet. Who knows what I'm doing? Not looking at my phone because we didn't have cell phones in the dark ages when I was in high school. Um, So I'm I'm squatting, and all of a sudden, I know this a lister is in the bathroom. She's fixing her makeup in the mirror, like, next to where my stall is. And all of a sudden, I hear her, like, squeal. And I look down and I am not aiming over the toilet. So like my pee is like shooting out onto the floor in bathroom. And she knew it was me because we'd seen each other beforehand. So like Steph is like not breathing. She's laughing so hard right now. So all, so I don't know. I say I stopped. I finished peeing in the toilet, and I waited until she left, and like, but like, I, I'm like, oh my gosh, she knows what just happened, my reputation as a B-lister is about <laughs> to be over, because I just peed on the bathroom floor on an accident. I know, it's horrifying. Anyway, I don't think she ever told anybody, because it never got back so to me. so nice of her. But that, I mean, yeah, that's, that that's the thing. So I straight weird. up peed on the floor in my high school bathroom. Unintentionally, <laughs> but I... maybe that's worse. <laughs> if I done it on purpose, then it wouldn't be embarrassing, I guess. Oh. Anyway, oh, I'm so happy about this. That's my
0: story. <laughs> oh my gosh! Feet on oh. the floor. Yeah, you get a bigger plaque now
1: in front can... of Nicole. I'm not gonna say her last name as oh. she put on her makeup.
0: Oh my gosh! Oh, I don't even know how to recover from this. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Oh gosh. Okay. All right. right, T-press. Oh, college. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Yeah. I, I like can't even recover from this. Okay. We're going to have to just jump in. Okay. So Hannah. Oh, okay. You said, <laughs> um, I love the way that you kicked off the book because, um, the chapter one is called change always brings challenges. Yes. And I think that a couple of things happen when we get to college. I think that we show up and we have all these expectations of what it's going to be like, oh, especially yeah. because, and these are the like tenth words you say in the whole book, you say. <laughs> people always say college is the best four years of your life. Yep, I heard it. You heard it. Yep. Everyone says it, and so we show up at college with these monumental expectations of what it's going to look like, and that's really hard yeah. because for absolutely none of us, like it, I mean, it just our expectations are never exactly what happens. In that's life, right, right? Yeah, they're not realistic. No. So, so you give um. Just talk to us about that, about, like, that phrase, college is the best four years of your life, and, like, just kind of set the scene for as we're going to college or as we're going into a new year of college. And also, guys, the cool thing about these things, like we kind of said before, is these things apply to all stages of life. Yep. So if you're about to move somewhere new or start a new job or whatever... As I was reading through this, I was like, ooh, that's good. (laughs) Because it's not just if you're starting college. But yeah, talk to us about that a little bit.
1: Yeah. So even to back up a little bit more. So I kind of mentioned I um, worked in a higher ed setting for a little bit over 10 years. And so truly this book is a culmination of just all of the conversations and emails and heart to hearts and like one-on-one pep talks I had with all of these women over the last decade. And I wanted my the very first chapter in this book to be Change Brings Challenge because I think the overarching theme of all four years of college and really life is that we're showing up and we're getting upset when things don't meet our expectations, like you just said. And I mean, I can't tell you the number of women that I've had in my office over the years in tears over something that honestly wasn't that big of a deal, but it just came down to they had expectations that it would look like X. And reality was that it was Z and whether it was good or bad or slipped upside down, like it's just hard. And so, yeah, we go to college thinking a, that it's going to be the best four years of our life, which I say in the book, that is like the most depressing sentence ever. Right. Because if you've lived the best four years of your life by the age of 22, like what are we doing? <laughs> yeah. Like where are we, I mean, where are we going from here? And so, Hey, that's so depressing. Um, But B, I think not only does that give us this like, oh, college is going to be so amazing. It is amazing. But it still has lots of hardships in it. And we, most of us, I think, have chosen to go to like our number one school or number two school. We're really excited about it. It's probably the first time we've made a decision that like really impacts the trajectory of our life. And so we feel like we're in control and control Feeling like we're in control always sets up with false expectations because we all know we ain't never in control. (sighs) So, anyway, we all come to college or whatever new season of life thinking it's just going to be amazing. And then hardships start happening. There are difficult pieces, troublesome, whatever. And we get knocked over. And pretty much this entire book is like instead of letting these waves of change come crashing down on you and displacing you, instead of trying to fight them, like expect them and ride the wave mm-hmm. and lean into the change, knowing that God has allowed those changes, allowed those hardships, allowed those challenges to come your way to teach you something, to help you learn, grow, become more of who He's designed you to be. Um, and so I mean it's really a perspective shift. It's I can I mean most of us will say, like, I love change or I hate change, but really can we look at change as it's a vehicle for growth? Yeah. And if I can remember that, I don't remember that always, (laughs) like I'm in a really hard season of change right now as a new mama of like a two month old, like this is not for the faint of heart, but knowing it's a season, God's going to use it. He's using it to make me more into the image of who he created me to be. Like that's, that's the rest of life. And that's all college. All college is just embracing change, taking it head on, not biting it, but leaning into it and letting God do what he wants to do with it.
0: And like, if we have these expectations that it's going to be the best four years of our life, yeah. one, that's, it's so not true. Thank God it's not <laughs> true. Um, like life continues to get better and sweeter and yes. more rich. And like, yes. it really, truly, it, we should have higher expectations for our lives than thinking that the best four years of our it? lives are college. Right. Yeah. Um, but also when we encounter these changes, we think we've made a mistake. So like we've made a decision and we've yes. got, you know, and we think so long and so hard and we're yep. praying a ton about what college we go to. We get there and our roommate stinks and we go, and like classes are hard and we feel homesick and we go, oh, I made it a, a mistake yep. and I want to do something, like I yep. should do something different, but it's, it's not a mistake. It's just that anytime you pick up and move anywhere or start a new job or move to a new place or get married or have a baby or end a relationship or whatever the change is, like it's, it's tricky and it's painful and there are like... Yeah, they're tips that you kind of endure. And, like, yeah. not that God is, like, spiting or smiting, whatever. No. Is it spiting or smiting? Smiting, smiting. Yep. Um, Us with, like, you shall have a horrible roommate. No. I shall teach you a lesson. But, like, personalities are personalities. You know, we, like, life is like that. You know, they are yes. just challenges. We live in a messy world, and there are challenges. And, and if we can expect them and just, like, yeah, ride them, like you said. Yeah. And let them teach us and make us better, we won't feel like everything's... I don't know. It, it, there. It's like the challenges are still there, but we we're not as surprised or shocked or offended by them. Yes. you know.
1: And hardship doesn't signal that you've made a mistake or the or that you're in the wrong place or that you've. Yeah, I, mean, I think a lot of times, especially American Christianity, has painted this image of like, if you're doing, if you're in God's will, everything's going to be great. That is so false. Hardships are going to come. If we look at the Bible, like. Every single man and woman that God uses in an extreme way had significant hardship. And whether he caused it, whether their sin caused it, or whether God allowed it, and I think all three of those things happen at different times, um, he uses that hardship to grow them and prepare them for whatever destiny he set for them. And so, like, we have to get that into our heads, that hardship and challenges doesn't mean that anything's wrong. This is just, this life is hard. Yeah. But the good news is that God uses it for our good.
0: Yes. My favorite story, if I had to pick a favorite story in the Bible, is the story of Joseph. And I love it because Joseph, like, gets knocked down in every single I know. way. Like, he just, it's one thing after another after another. Like, just goes wrong for him. Yep. But, at, and it's another the end of the story, but like, about halfway through, Joseph is in exactly the perfect place to save everybody. And he wouldn't have gotten there without hardship, hardship, hardship. And and every single one, it's like, he learned something and and was taught in a way that allowed him to get to the next stage. And so he's getting elevated and elevated and elevated. God's using him more and more and more because of these hardships. And he's like growing things in Joseph through it. And then he literally saves everybody. Totally.
1: And it's so funny. That's also one of my favorite stories. And I write about it in the book. And God like tells Joseph probably when he's a teenager that he is going to use him in a really mighty, powerful way. But decades pass of suffering and hardship, of being sold to slavery, being thrown in jail, of being um, accused of sexual assault, like all of these insane things for decades. But Joseph knew that God gave him a vision saying, I'm going to use you. Like, can you imagine being in prison and thinking, how is God using me right now? I, yeah. thought, I, I thought God had big plans for my life. Yeah, and I'm in prison. Uh, right, <laughs> right. And God's like, I do zoom out a little yeah. like. Give me I've got, I'm have got. i in control. Yes. I've got the plan, but I'm going to use these things.
0: One of my favorite things, one of my favorite verses, like what my, I would say, Habakkuk 1.5 is my life verse if you've read Lipstick Gospel, but um, the one that I hold on to all the time that I like can't, like holds me up is Romans 8.28 where it says, mm. in all things God works for the good of those who love him who are called according to his purpose. Yep. But there's a verse in Genesis, in the story of Joseph, mm, Genesis this is a wild guess. 52. <laughs> we'll see how I do. not It's probably not there. Um, but it talks about how um, Joseph is telling his brothers, after his brothers have sold him into slavery, like, um, uh, like just totally ruined his life. And then Joseph has now saved their life. Yep. And they are apologizing to him. And Joseph says, listen, like, yep. it's okay. What you intended for evil, God intended for good so right. for the saving of many lives. Yeah. Like, this thing looks bad, but God's not done. He that's has right. a purpose with it, and he can do something great.
1: Preach.
0: I've literally just told you, like, the two verses I know. <laughs> that's not true. Well, I'm impressed. That's not true, but it sounds like there's a, a deeper well of memorization there that's not really there. <laughs> anyway, I just want to, let's just uh, be honest here. Yeah, be authentic. It's good. Um, okay, so I really love that. So if you're experiencing challenges or, yep. so so one, like, it's not going to be perfect. Nope. Nothing, it's, Nothing life is, is just, it's not perfect. It's, there are going to be challenges, and if there are challenges, it doesn't mean it's broken. It doesn't it, You're okay. Yep. And that's another thing you say, is you say, everything is normal.
1: Yes. Yeah, so I think that's another big issue for women across the board, all ages of life, but again, especially college, I just have so many pictures of different girls sitting in my office crying, thinking that they are the only one that has ever experienced fill in the blank. And so much of mentoring college women for me has been helping normalize their experience so you hate your roommate normal love your roommate and your best friends also normal you're super homesick normal Normal. you have changed your major seven times and you still don't know what you want to do with your life normal you i mean it's like there is nothing that you are going to experience in those four years of college that other women on your campus haven't also experienced. Like, even if it's like your parents are going through a divorce at home and you're at school and all the challenges that that brings, still normal. And so part of that chapter is not only trying to help normalize whatever your experience may be while you're in college, but really trying to push you and encourage you and challenge you to be the one to step out and to be vulnerable and create community and let other people know because that's a problem with just women in our time right now is that when we aren't open and honest and real in friendships we isolate ourselves and so then we do feel alone but if you share your experience with me what you know you and me stuff we don't have the same experience on everything but like there are going to be places where we really connect and so so much of pursuing people and building incredible community in college is learning how to be the one that's honest. It's like, yeah, I am really struggling here. Like, I haven't found my friends. I haven't found my place. Being open and vulnerable creates strength. It creates friendships, it creates community, and just going back to just, like, being the light on your campus of normalizing other people's experiences and that will only come back to like help you normalize your own experiences
0: yes if you can say if you can be the one to say like if you're hanging out with some girls from your dorm and you can say is anyone else homesick yeah like one girl one like girl who's too afraid of her own vulnerability will probably say no i'm fine but the rest (laughs) of them will go yeah i'm really homesick and those like that experience of saying yep me too like, takes your friendship a million times deeper. Yes. We can all just kind of be in it together, and, and that's when loneliness kind of dissipates. Yep. Completely. Okay. So, we have, um, now that we have those, like, really important things out of the way, um, one of the, gosh, Hannah and I sat here forever trying to figure out which chapters we wanted to go into, because I want to go into all of them. <laughs> um, but, one of the things I wanted to ask first was, let me see if I can find it. Um... Okay, so I really loved what you talked about here. Um, Kind of in this whole section, you're talking about, like, all the stress of freshman year. And, like, you're trying to figure out 8,000 different things. You, yes. you know, you've just finally picked a school. And you're questioning if it's the right one because it's kind of hard. And, like, you know, you're trying to get good grades. I remember being insanely stressed out for a semester of college. Just, like, oh, my gosh. I'm, like, just dying under the weight of this of school and, like, my workload. Yes. It just is, like, it was such a like leap to heart to you know a fuller more challenging life and so um you know throughout this chapter you're talking about all the different things and helping us navigate all those things but then you say and this is a question I know you've gotten a lot um what is the number one thing I should focus on for my first semester of college and I would argue like what's the first thing we should focus on when you move to a new city or when you start a new job or whatever like what
1: yeah where do we start true so yeah I think you're right The first semester of college is so stressful because you feel like every decision you make is going to determine the next four years of your life, which just isn't true. Like, you can change everything the next semester if you want to. (laughs) So I think, one, just know that the pressure's off. And same with moving to a new city. Like, what you do for – I mean, a semester is what? Like, three and a half months? Like, what you do for a fraction of the year is not going to make or break the rest of the year. You have time to pivot. You can do a 180. You can change everything. Um, so, you know, stressors of freshman year are like, which activities do I get involved in? Do I rush? And do I do all these things? All valid and important. And you should pick some things to like, I'm going to jump into X, Y, or Z, whatever. But the thing that I push a lot with my students, the most important thing to start working on your freshman year, which parents do not like this answer because (laughs) the answer parents love is... Your classes, right? That is the number one thing you should focus on. Going to class, getting good grades, which is important. You are at college for your education. Mm -hmm. But my argument is that the first thing you should be focusing on is finding your people, finding Mm -hmm. your friends. And that is so loaded because I say that in the same breath, and then I will say, and it's going to take you a while, you know? (laughs) Like, you're probably not going to find your best friend in the first three and a half months of your college experience but you have to start and you have to start pursuing people. And the reason that I think this is super critical is because I truly believe, I truly believe that the people you surround yourself with will determine the course of your life. So before Ooh. saying like, yeah, you can change everything the next four years, you know, you, you can change your major seven times and you can change your friend seven times too, which is fine. But the people that you choose to stick it out with and surround yourself with, They really will determine the course of your life. And I mean that in a holistic way and actually like a figurative and literal way. Figuratively, of course, we know like you are, you look like the people you surround yourself with. If you're with um, really amazing, godly, you know, people with these strong moral compasses who love the Lord, who love other people really well. Gosh, I want friends who love people well. I mean, right? Yeah. Like, but if I'm around people like that, I'm going to look more like that. If I'm around people who are super self-absorbed and selfish and just surfacy, whatever, I'm going to look more like that. Yes. So we all know that. But I, my last job, um, I worked in a college, I worked at Belmont University and they have an entertainment college and that was where I was. And it was crazy because I would watch students graduate and it's really hard to get a job in the entertainment industry in Nashville. But we're graduating hundreds of students every year who want a job in this field, but they're Obviously are not that many jobs. But the students who graduated graduated and got the dream job that they wanted or a foot in the door, whatever, in the entertainment industry, all of their friends also did. Or I would see students who would be complaining, alumni really, saying, I never got a job, like I'm still waiting tables. None of my friends have gotten a job in the entertainment industry. Again, if they didn't get a job, likely they were in a community of people that also didn't get jobs. And, I mean, it, it, that sounds like a really loosey-goosey correlation, but but if you think about it, the students that got the dream jobs that they wanted, they found these friends, maybe freshman year, maybe sophomore, maybe not even till junior or senior year, but those students were kicking each other in the butts in a good way. Like, they were taking each other to networking events. They were hustling really hard to get great internships. They were connecting one another to their employers and supervisors. Like they were working really hard to make it in the entertainment industry and they were doing it together. Or you have a group of students who aren't hustling. Maybe they got one internship, but they're not going to networking events. They're not going out to shows. And they're certainly not helping each other do that. So, I mean, it truly, the people you choose to surround yourself with in college will absolutely impact the trajectory of your life, which is kind of overwhelming to hear, but it's the truth. And, and it just goes to kind of nail in the importance of, like, you've got to pursue the right people. It takes time. It takes effort. You're not going to meet those people probably during your orientation session. Um, but that's what you should be focused on. Do all the other things. Go to, go to class. Do do the things you're supposed to do. But always keeping in the back of your mind, like, who do I want to be pursuing this week? Who's someone that I met that I thought, man, she seems awesome or that guy is like wow really respected his whatever I don't know whatever is drawing you to people that you think yeah I want to look like those people I want to have the same values I want to have the same characteristics the same drive all that kind of stuff yeah
0: and like the thing I want to say on that because I I can hear girls going I'm a senior it's too late for me or I already graduated it's too late for me and the thing I love is that it's not too late like it you have to get started and get started today because you're totally right. Like, it takes a long time to build these friendships. But, like, it's never too late to pivot, like you said. Right. In the fact that, you know, I made a lot – I made some really different friendship decisions all the way through college. Yep. And it wasn't until second semester of my senior year that I made the friends that I am still best friends with yep. today. Like, second semester, senior year. Like, that ship had sailed, but it right. hadn't. Right, um, Also, you and I met, like, four years ago. And we've been out of college for, oh – a minute and <laughs> <laughs> i mean really like it's it's never too late for you to make friends with people that you want to be like that you that you admire that you yep. respect um but like don't wait one more second start now because all of the next one two ten twenty years of your life will be different because of the decisions you make today yeah and so like start start freshman year start the second you get into college or start right now
1: exactly and i think a lot of this book is really about learning to create patterns and habits that set you up for your 20s, that set you up for the rest of your life, and that just what you're saying. Like You have to pursue friendships for the rest of your life. I will never forget my sister finishing college, and I was encouraging her, like, you got to get out there, and you got to meet new people, and you got to make friends. And she looked at me and said, I am tired of making friends. And I get it. Like I felt that, but I looked back at her. I'm only five years older than her. But look back at her and said, baby, you're going to have to make new friends literally the rest of your life. Yep. And even if you don't move, like you and I have talked about this. I went through a season where I've been in Nashville. I've been in Nashville now for almost eight years, but really about three years ago, about the time that you moved here. Um, I looked around and realized all of my best girlfriends had left. Like they had all moved away from Nashville and so I found myself, nothing had changed in my personal circumstances, but suddenly I was in a situation where I needed new girlfriends. So it just happens. And college is like the best place to start creating habits and patterns and learning how to pursue people and create meaningful friendships.
0: Yes. Um, Jen Hatmaker has this really good quote. It's in For the Love, um, her book For the Love. And she talks about how um, if you don't have community make community for other people, and then you'll look around and you'll find that you have it too. So as you're looking around your dorm or your work environment or wherever you are, know that probably every other woman there wishes she had more friends too. So true. 98% of them are lonely and feel like they wish they had more girlfriends wherever they are well make it your business even if you're not um like an event planner kind or even if you're not the most outgoing like decide that you're going to make it your business to make those people not lonely and you will look around and you will go oh like I have people too yeah it's just I, I love it yes hey friends I wanted to take a quick pause for my conversation with Hannah to thank our sponsor for this week We just started having sponsors at our girls' nights, and I love it because these sponsorships allow us to pour so much more time and energy and love and resources into our girls' nights. I also love them because these sponsors came to us and said, hey, can we give your listeners discounts and free stuff? And of course, I said yes to that. So our sponsor for today is an amazing company called Zola. They're a wedding company who's reimagining the registration and the wedding planning process, and I am such a fan of them. I know that some of y'all are engaged right now, or you're dating someone and engagement feels like it's just around the corner. And I also know that lots of y'all are bridesmaids and maids of honor these days, helping your girlfriends and your sisters plan the very best weddings possible. And so I love getting to share Zola with you. I love what they're doing because for me, one of the most fun parts of the wedding planning process was registering for gifts. How could it not be, right? But it also was one of the most daunting. I remember feeling totally overwhelmed as Carl and I were registering. It was also tricky because we needed things from like a bunch of different places and I didn't want to have 12 different websites for people to have to fish through. It was just a lot. But Zola has created a really awesome tool to help the registry process go so much more smoothly, both for you and for your guests. So first of all, the site is free and super easy to use, and it's also really fun. They have over 500 brands and over 50,000 products that you can choose from. So they have everything that you'd be able to register for in your local department store, but they also have things like wine subscriptions and fitness classes and honeymoon funds and so much more. My brother-in-law and his fiance are using Zola to plan a big honeymoon they'll be taking at the end of next year. They're planning to travel for two months all over Southeast Asia, and they're registering for everything from excursions to suitcases. Right now I'm trying to decide whether to get them a gorgeous cheese board for their apartment or a scuba diving excursion in Thailand. Uh, let's be honest, I'm for sure going for scuba diving. I just love that with Zola you can register for what you really want and need. The other thing I love is that they have the ability to do group gifts. So if your girlfriends are on a tight budget but really want to help you get that KitchenAid mixer, they can pull together with your mom's second cousin and your dad's college roommate and they can get it for you. It makes those bigger ticket items actually doable for you and your guests, which is such a win. But they don't just stop at the registry. They have this whole suite full of wedding planning helpers. You can create a free wedding website through them, which my brother-in-law's Zola website looks awesome. And they also have awesome tools you can use like customizable checklists and guest list trackers. Um, hello. And everyone who has been using a spreadsheet or a bunch of sticky notes said amen. Amen. Guys, this is such a great resource if you're planning a wedding. My gosh, I wish for every single one of these things as we were planning our wedding. The more I find out about Zola, the more I wish it had been an option when we got married, but it is for you and for your engaged girlfriends, so be sure to pass it along. Especially because Zola is giving a free $50 credit to all of our listeners. Isn't that amazing? Guys, to sign up with Zola and to receive a $50 credit towards your registry, go to zola.com stephanie. That's Z-O-L-A, just in case you needed that spelled out, I would. Again, to sign up with Zola and to get a $50 credit towards your registry, go to Zola.com slash Stephanie. Thank you so much to Zola for sponsoring our girls' night. We love having you. And now, let's get back to my conversation with Hannah. Um. Okay, so speaking of friends, or not friends, um, you have an entire section on roommate clothes, <laughs> and I love this so much because I have a girlfriend... Um, who I'll, I'll uh, she can rena- remain nameless, but she'll know exactly who she is <laughs> when she hears this. Um, she just moved and has a new group of roommates and she's in her like late 20s and she's going through these exact same things yep. that you talk about in this book. Roommates are hard. Hard. That's hard. Um, just, I just have to like list off a couple of the things that you talk about, <laughs> but you have some really good ways of working through this and I just love it. Um, So, You talk about, like, things like dirty dishes, um, stealing food, Mm -hmm. uh, just other random things to drive you crazy. Like, she gets up earlier than me. She stays up later than me. She leaves the light on. She, like, forgets to lock our door. She, like, you know, leaves her entire half the room a mess. She leaves my half the room a mess. Right. Um, also, she's drunk and loud, and I'm just over here trying to sleep. Um, uh, I kind of, like just have to, like, hide my head a little bit in that one because I feel like I was that roommate, which I'm very (laughs) sorry to all my roommates. Um, But, like, really, like, you know, I'm just trying to get some sleep. I have a midterm tomorrow and my roommate is, like, out and coming home in the middle of the night. Um, My roommate's boyfriend is over all the time. That was totally my story. My roommate's boyfriend basically lived with us and that's not what I signed up for. Right. Um, My roommate is having sex all the time. Uh, Like, I mean, just, there are so many frustrating inconvenient things that can happen with roommates whether you're living in a new house or like a house with a roommate or whether you are sharing a bedroom with a roommate as a freshman yes okay what the heck do we do about this
1: (laughs) (laughs) well there's an entire chapter on the book no um roommates are so interesting because I really think they are the most impactful relationship that we have even if we're not friends with our roommates the challenges and refinement that happens to who we are, um, because it's in our home. It's in our, I mean, in college you have what, like a 10 by 10 space to call your own. And someone annoying may also be in that with you or yeah. Or even in your late twenties, you might be in a great, like 2000 square foot house, but there might be four other women living with you. And that brings all sorts of other challenges. So, um, I think, A couple things. One, I always try to remind my girls, like, God is in control of everything, including who your roommate is right now. And I think a lot of times, like, if you chose to live with your best friend from high school and it has turned out to be a disaster while you're in college, it's really easy to go, I made a mistake. And maybe that wasn't the best decision, but God's sovereign over it. He knew that's what you're going to do. And his plan is to use it. (laughs) You know, again, it's going back to reframing our mind to think, okay, this hardship this annoyance, this whatever, I can choose to look at it as God is going to use this in my life to make me a better version of myself. Or I can look at it, especially roommate conflicts, as this is an annoyance that I need to get out of and avoid and run from as fast as possible. But, like, what do we know the right answer is to that question? It's never to avoid or run away from our problems, it's to press in, it's to learn something, it's to grow as people. So, um, As a whole, roommate conflicts usually boil down to really a communication issue and rarely are either sides communicating their expectations, their needs, what they wish changed, whatever. And so kind of baseline, I always encourage women when they're having roommate conflicts to, A, figure out like what if you are communicating with your roommate, what is it that you need from her? A lot of times we just get wrapped up in all the things that annoy us about them, but like if you can ask of that roommate one thing, like really figuring out what's the heart of this issue for me um, and realizing like we're going to have to talk about it. And so setting a time, setting a place. In my book, I kind of list out like all these ways to help structure it and keep yourself accountable for doing it. But the bottom line is like you're going to have to talk to your roommate about what's ever driving you crazy. Um, you're going to have to be ready for her to not agree or to argue with you about it. Or, and I think this is where communicating in conflict, we have to realize, like, the goal is to listen to the other person. Like, I think often I enter conflict thinking the goal is for me to communicate what I need and why I need it and to convince you and then I'll win. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but the real goal is to bring up, hey, this is impacting me. And let me allow you to respond and let me like sit in that and sit in your shoes and try to hear your side and then know that we're going to have to compromise. And a lot of times compromising doesn't feel like a big win. Like yeah. often it's going, okay, you know, the chapter that's about my roommate is super um, drunk every night and comes home and is waking me up in the middle of the night. Like you, you can't get her to stop going out and partying and coming home drunk. She is going to do what she wants. And she, you gotta let her come home. Gotta let the sister come home and sleep in her own bed. For real. Because if the sides were reversed, which, I mean, as you said, like <laughs> you were that friend, like like you deserve to be able to come home and sleep in your own bed. Yeah. So the compromise is not like me saying, Steph, unless you come home sober and quiet, you can't come home. Like, yeah. it doesn't work like that. It's your room too. Right. And so realizing, like, okay, what does a compromise look like in this situation? Maybe it's like finding a desk lamp a lot like that we can leave on it's dim for you so that you can see you're not stumbling around maybe it's me getting earplugs maybe like whatever but realizing I mean a true compromise is how is this gonna work for the two of us and then I think even to back up a lot of times I think that we allow roommates to annoy us and just really like ruin our day and steal our joy and I wrote a blog years ago about this really with my husband um I am very particular. I like things to be in their places. like everything in my house has a home, and things need to be in their home. Mm-hmm. and your shoes belong either on your feet or in your closet. But my husband thinks that your shoes belong by the front door, or the, now the back door, because we have a, he comes in through the back door now. but like front door, back door, essentially, wherever he enters the home, that's where his shoes come off, and they stay there until he puts them on again but that could mean that there's five pairs of shoes from one man sitting by a door now some of you are like exactly like (laughs) isn't that what it's supposed to be but again you know my world we're all just living in it no um but so anyway and it was driving me freaking crazy and i had a mentor that was like guess what like It sounds like it's your job to put your husband's shoes up in his closet. And when he asks where they are, you don't say, oh, I put them in your closet because... You're a giant sloth. Yeah. You go, oh, honey, I put them in your closet. Let me go get them for you. (laughs) And now, do you need to, like, let your roommates walk all over you? And do you need to serve them, like, out the wazoo? The roommate's relationship and situation is different from a spouse, but it's also not that different. And so, I mean, the bottom line was I was letting those shoes steal my joy. So I had a couple options. I could let it continue stealing my joy and like getting my panties in a wad and being super upset about it. I could confront him on it and ask him to change, which is valid. Um, or and which or you probably did yes, all of the above and or like I could figure out how to let it not steal my joy anymore. Yeah. And so truly, the all of those things happened. And the bottom line, he agreed. One pair of shoes by the door. So, like, I had to allow that. I allow one pair of shoes now. But still, I mean, if we went to my back door right now, there's probably three pairs. And I've gotten so more lax over the years. I've been married almost four years now. I'm getting better. Um, but, like, I'll go pick up those shoes and put them in his closet. And if he needs them, I'll go grab them. He knows where they are. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a point of, it's not, like, enabling your roommate. It's not, oh, well, she leaves her dirty dishes in the sink, so I'm just going to always clean up after her. It's not like that. You still need to tell her, hey, it would mean a lot to me you'd put your dirty dishes in the dishwasher or, you know, whatever. But at the end of the day, if that dirty glass in the sink is making you lose your mind, which it does to me, then I just got to put the freaking glass in the dishwasher. Like Mm -hmm. I've solved the problem. The problem is not really the roommate or the dish. It's actually like my heart. (laughs) And so I can either choose to be mad or just serve her and, and get rid of the problem. So, and again, every relation, there's different nuances to different situations, but I think it's always coming back to like, what is God trying to teach me in this? How do I love them? Well, I mean, what does Jesus say? The greatest commandment is to love the Lord and then to love your neighbor and who is closer than your roommate, Mm -hmm. (laughs) than a neighbor. So like, how do I love my roommate? Well, and what does that look like when we're in conflict, when she drives me crazy and all of that? Yeah. Yeah.
0: I love, oh gosh, I love that so much. Um, you, in one of the chapters, you list out four steps. And I really like that. So one, you say you have to talk to her. Yeah. And like, that's so important. We have to, we have to communicate the things that we like feel. And that doesn't mean screaming at her. It means like Mm-mm. stopping. And yeah, I like how you said, identify like the one thing that she could do that would just make you feel like, what is the actual thing yeah. that you need? Yeah, you can't to go first. to her with
1: a list of a hundred things.
0: Right. Like pick one. Right. Um, and, uh, so talking to her about it and sitting her down and like being really kind, um, and, but clear, um, compromising, which is r- really hard because you don't get things your way. And like, that's, there will be a day when you will have your own house and you can have things your way mostly, but you share it Until with a boy you get who might yep. not. So <laughs> even, even then, like you have to work with somebody else. You have to yes. like kind of share. It. And it's just like, like we've been talking about, it's one of those things where God refines us so much. It makes us better people. Like yes. people we like more. We will like who we are. We are more when we let these things change us. Um, and so it's like, I get one of the questions I get more than any other is like, how do I prepare well for marriage? Having a roommate and learning to live with them is enormous. Huge. That's one yeah. of the things that like, so Carl and I, in, we had an episode earlier this season and we talked about how we both traveled around the world. Um, and that was one of the things that kind of what God did in our hearts that year really prepared us for marriage. Part of it was that we both traveled around the world living in the tightest quarters you can even imagine with people who drove us crazy. Yep. Like, absolutely, there are no words to describe. <laughs> like, just frustrated us to no end. Both Carl and I. And we had to learn to live with people who didn't like us, who we didn't like, who we just, who everything they did. I mean, you're eating three meals a day with these people. Yep. And <clears throat> it, it made our marriage so much better. Like, I'm so grateful for it. And so roommates are just another... Example of that. Yes. Huge. Um, One thing you say that I really like is, be ready. She's going to do it again. Yeah. So whatever the thing is, like, sweet Tyler totally left his shoes again, even of after. Course. I'm sure you talked to him about it, like, probably more than once. <laughs> um, and I mean, like, yeah, that's when we have the opportunity to either let this totally wreck our day, which, like, that's our issue if a pair of shoes is totally ruining our day. Yep. You know? Like, that's that's us. Yep. Um, but then you you ask, uh, kind of the last question is, when... Um, when can you call it quits? Yeah. So when can you be like, listen, this is too bad
1: or too, too whatever. I need a different living situation. Yes. So one of my, uh, things is I think you can do anything for a year. I think you can go to a school that you don't like for a year. I think you can have a job that you don't like for a year. I think you can live with a roommate that you don't like for a year, but in college world, even a semester, again, three and a half months, like you can survive a bad roommate conflict For three and a half months. So, I I mean, I think you do your best. And and again, coming back to what does it look like for me to love my neighbor as Jesus has asked me to in this situation? It doesn't mean that you have to live with someone that drives you crazy for the rest of your life. Right, right. Um, But how how do I get through this well? And then how do I end it well? And if there's, you know, if you have a friend who has an opening in her dorm for next semester, like, go for it, you know? But... Trying to do it in a way that's pleasing to the Lord, that's in a way that's loving that difficult roommate still. Um, Yeah. But a lot of times there's not a place for you to move out. And that's what I think is like really tricky in college is that girls are desperate to move out and it's the middle semester and there ain't no other place for them on the campus. And half the time you're trading a set of known problems for a set of unknown problems. Mm. So if you are just escaping to some random girl's room that you don't know, like, you have no idea what's behind that door. You at least know what you're dealing with (laughs) behind your own door at that time. And the same is with your, like, sorority sister. I mean, I see so often girls thinking, oh, we're great friends so we'll be great roommates. Not always the case. Right. And great friends can have completely different lifestyles and schedules. One might be at a night owl. One might like to wake up super early. All of those things, you can live with someone that's completely different from you and it can work. I actually had two roommate situations where um I, they woke up super early I stayed up late um, but we were good friends like we communicated a lot I mean it, it wasn't on paper the perfect matchup but we loved each other we were great friends so we made it work but like I've seen living with friends ruin girls friendships before oh
0: yes yeah. that so, absolutely
1: absolutely happened I mean I think all that to say going back to like when can I call it quits it's like get at least get through the semester yeah Survive yeah. this semester, you can do it. It's three and a half months, um, and potentially a year. I lived for an entire year with a girl that was like, <laughs> I mean, I just I write about her in my book. She's crazy. She's absolutely crazy. I have so many good stories to share to this day, but you know, got to be careful. <laughs> yeah, I uh, can't always share those exactly.
0: Um, <laughs> uh, I I love what you said about like not escaping, the, the running away, the, the set of known problems versus the set of unknown problems, I think that we can get in this pattern in life where we escape everything. Like this relationship's hard. I'm out. I'm going to get a new one. Well, okay. That's still a set of unknown problems. Like if you haven't dealt with whatever the thing was, it's going to follow you or, you know, this friendship isn't working out. I'm going to find a new one or this job is hard and scary and I don't know, I'm just going to get a new one. Like we can spend our whole lives running and we're never working through the things that we like. We're never working through the junk in our own lives. We're never getting better at this. We're never, like, yes. the kind of life you want, <laughs> the kind of job you want, the kind of marriage you want, the kind of community you want, the kind of, like, faith you want, the kind of everything you want does not, is not waiting for you at the end of, like, all these obstacles you have to leap over and run away from. Right. That happens because of all the things you stick out and work through yes. and practice. Yes. And, like, that's where that life comes from. Yes. hundred percent. Oh, man. <laughs> um, Okay. So this next question is so good. Oh, gosh. Um, you talk a lot about dating. So, I mean, along through roommates, you talk a lot about friends and finding friends in college. Um, you also talk about boyfriends and like, you know, where is my husband and everyone else is getting into a relationship and just all different things. But one thing that we haven't actually really talked about in the podcast very much, and I'm dying to hear your thoughts on this, are um, concern number 31 is I fell into the friends with benefits zone. Yeah. So I want to read the, just the question. So, yeah. It says a few months ago, I fell into the friends with benefits zone with a guy. I've now and and now I've fallen for him. We spend all of our time together, and when I bring up dating, he says he's not ready to commit. He says he needs more time to decide. I think I like him more than he likes me, and he's constantly sending me mixed signals. Should I stop pursuing him and tell him I don't want to be friends anymore? Like, what the heck do you do with this? Says everyone.
1: Yes.
0: Because, <laughs> so, and everyone said, "Amen, Hannah. What do we do?"
1: Yes. So one, I mean, ninety-five percent of. All of my 52 concerns are emails that came in or just conversations of girls. Well, I guess 100% then are all like real life, real girl situations asking a question. And so this, I mean, this is a real girl um, that wrote in asking, what the heck do I do? And I think we've all probably fallen into a similar situation. Even if it's not physical friends with benefits. I, a lot of times in college, found myself in like emotional benefits, like Guys that weren't, we weren't boyfriend, girlfriend, but we acted like it in every kind of way, like, except for physically or having the label. And so, do you know what I mean? Just like that emotional dependency, intimacy, like sharing. Yeah. um, Going everywhere together, like all of that. They're your person. Like, yeah. Yeah. And the unfortunate thing is. Like, college guys are going to let you do that. Like, they are so down for getting whatever that they can get out of a relationship and not having to have commitment. And, I mean, some of us girls can be that way, too. Um, so, I don't want to speak ill of our male friends. But, um, I mean, you deserve so much more than that. And this girl in particular, like, I know and I understand that she has fallen for him. And so, that's so hard. Like, they're hanging out and making out and doing whatever else. Um but ladies, like, friends with benefits? Like, no! Stop <laughs> it! Like, what are we doing? And I I hate the saying because it's crass, but I still wrote it in my book. But it's like the old mama saying, why buy the cow if you get the milk for free? Like, homeboy is never going to commit to you if you're giving him everything that he needs out of a relationship. And, like, he, he's not going to commit to you if he doesn't have to. So, like, we need to demand more respect and like you're just worth more you're you're valued more than that and i think another part of her question was like he needs more time to decide or like guys like there was a guy in my life that always just would say it's just not the right time it's just not the right time well that is that's just an excuse like a guy if a guy is into you He's going to pursue you. Yes. If a guy's into you, he's going to want to take you out. He's going to want to call you his girlfriend. He's going to want to treat you right. Like, he's not doing those things, unfortunately, he's not into you. And we as women need to set our standards higher and say, "Bye bye My sister used to say, I am kicking him to the curb <laughs> and move on with our lives. Yeah. And it's hard. It's painful, especially when we really like that guy who's not treating us like we deserve. But at the end of the day, like... Friends with benefits is not how God designed it to be. It's not what you deserve. You deserve so much better. And you're letting that guy, like, ugh, you're just letting him continue in a pattern. Like, call him to stand up to higher things. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I like how you said, how you said um, he's he's just not that into you. And I, you mentioned that, that movie and that book in here. Yeah. And it's like, kind of like the cruelest, hardest concept, but it's actually really true. And I think that, um, if, if a guy wants to be with you, he's going to, he's going to make it happen. You're right. He's going to call you. He's going to want you to be his girlfriend. And I think that like, um, sometimes it feels better to have like a little piece of them than nothing at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing about that is one that you, you, you're exactly right. There's no motivation for them to like, Get their act together. No. And it's not that they're like, yeah, there's no motivation to get their act together if they don't have to. Um, and if they're not going to get their act together, then you're going to be in this weird thing forever. And like, I don't know, I, I always think about it like, what does this look like down the line? And mm. like, you just had a baby two months ago. And when we think about our future, we think about getting married, having a family, we think about like having the person that we connect our lives with forever. And like, the things that life requires of you and, and the things that having a family requires of you and, and on like what it looks like to buy a house and have a career and like all the things that are ahead in life are too big and too scary to have someone by your side who's like sort of half there.
1: 100%. And like
0: at some point things have to have to either change with him but you're not giving him any, you're not requiring that they change. You're just like, yeah, you're not. And then the other thing is, I know for me, especially when you talked about um, kind of friends with benefits, like uh, kind of emotionally. Yeah. (laughs) Like I played that game for a really long time. And the thing, the trick about that is that as long as that person's in your life, no one else can come into your life. That's right. So you are reserving, you are putting like a reserved sign on your heart. You have no chance of moving on, meeting anyone new or meeting anyone wonderful who can, who wants to pursue you, wants to like chase you, you know, while you are, reserving your heart for that person and so like so good it's just you don't want this is not what you want for your life like what this looks like down the line is you parenting by yourself if you like buying a house with someone who's not going to contribute is like i mean it just it's it's ugly down the line yes and so you either have to make a change make a change or like you have to free up that spot yes and and he doesn't deserve to keep it if if he's not going to work for it and if he's not working for it then like yeah yeah To the curb he goes. To the, kick him to the curb. And it's like, it feels hard to call it as black and white as this, but it is this black and white.
1: It really is. And yeah, when you're in it, it feels so great and so, and it is, it's, it's complicated and it's hard and all of that, but it's pretty night and day clear. Yeah. Like if he's not into you, if he's not pursuing you, if he's not treating you the right way, there is no reason that you can expect that he will change. Yeah. Girls, we always talk about like, we're dating the potential. You got to stop dating potential. Yeah. Got to date the here and now. Yeah. And if he is not who he is, if he is not who you want him to be right now today, like you cannot date a hopeful change.
0: Yeah. And like, we, I mean, we always say like God can do anything. Yes, he can. Totally. Um, We change. People change in relationships. They yes, they do. People grow in relationships. Yes, they do. But like, that is an unfair thing to date someone based on the fact that maybe someday they will be someone different. Yeah. Like we would be heartbroken. And so like that, we would think that was so cruel if someone did that to us, like, I guess I'll date her now, but hopefully she'll be different, and I'll right. actually like her then. Right? You know? Right. Um, that's something my dad would always tell me. That was just like one of the things about dating he taught me was that you need if you need to decide based on where they are today. If they never changed, that's right. Is this the person you want to be with? Yeah. Not well. His faith is getting stronger. Like, do, are you satisfied with it now? Right. Um, he will be this someday. Like, who is he now? What is he showing you about himself now? Like, make a decision that way. Yep. Um. Oh gosh, it's so good. It's okay. so good. It's really hard. It's really hard. But. So hard. When we free our hearts up, like, there are really, really good guys in the world. And I know it feels like there aren't, but there are. Like, there are really, really, really good guys in the world, but you have no chance of meeting one as long as yeah. your
1: hearts. I mean, that's my guy. story. I was emotionally unavailable when I met my husband because I was wrapped up in my guy best friend. I
0: didn't know that was why. Yeah.
1: Two years. Literally. And I had to, I, I mean, we finally dated and I had to get over it and God had to totally heal my heart. And then I was like finally ready, finally emotionally available for a guy who is amazing. And it's so funny what you – something you said earlier made me think about. This morning I thought, okay, if I was telling my single friend today something to look for in a husband, it would be find someone who when they have hit the brink of exhaustion, they are more tired than they've ever been in their life, that they still treat you well and other people around them well, because that is where my husband and I are today. Like, we are – I've never been this tired in my life. He has never been tired in his life. Um, And thankfully, like, he is still a really kind human in exhaustion. And, I mean, there are mean people out there when they're tired. (laughs) And I'm actually probably one of them, so I probably wouldn't uh, meet that rule. But, I mean, like, it would – I mean, it's just hard. You're going to go through hard seasons, so pick someone who – you still is really like them, yeah.
0: When they're <laughs> when they're not at their best, yes. Um. Okay, so Hannah, this next question is I actually um cried a lot when I read this section mm. um of your book, and I'm really I really wanted to talk about it because um this is something that is being talked about. Thank God, so much more in our culture yeah. today than it ever has been. Yeah. Again, thank God. Like I'm so um. I'm so grateful for that, and it's something that so many women have gone through, so many women have watched their friends go through, and it's something, unfortunately, that happens a lot in college, and, um, so, uh, the questions are kind of, I'm in a couple different chapters, but, um, concern number 36 is, what's all this talk about sexual assault and rape? Yeah. Um... I see. I'm looking at the stat right here. You say um, between 20 and 25 percent of college women will be sexually assaulted. Yeah. Um, one out of every four or five women, and um, it's something that we that has happened to a lot of us, mm-hmm. and it's something that has happened to a lot of our friends. And so I think kind of two things, two situations happen in colleges. One, like it happens to us, or two, it happens to someone we love. Like yeah. W- w- the reason and gosh. The reason I, I, like, cried as I was reading this is because, one, this whole thing just, like, breaks my heart. Um, And also the way that you wrote about this, it was so obvious that you've sat down Mm. in your office with so many girls. Like, the way you talked about this, this is something that you've been in this conversation a lot of times. And so, can you, like, what, if it happens to us, like, if it happens to our girlfriends, like, what do we, where do we start? What do we do?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, it's such a heavy topic, but, I mean, one of the reasons that I included it in the book is because I think some women, and that was the write-in, was, like, a girl wrote in, like, my college makes us watch all these sexual assault tutorials as part of orientation, but is this even a thing I need to be worried about? And just realizing, I mean, the stat you read, one in every four or five women are sexually assaulted in college, and then, out of the sexual assaults that happen on college campus, one out of every four are male. So like it's, it happens to men and women. Unfortunately, a lot of it is related to alcohol. Um, whether like women are, or men are like becoming so drunk that they're really not able to, like they might even be able to say no, but the person they're with isn't listening. Um, they might also be like that other person might be so drunk that they're, I mean, it's just like alcohol and drugs make things really messy. Um, and unfortunately, there's just a lot of that in college. So it's just, it just happens a lot. And it's, it's so gross and sad and um, it's just hard. But um, I had both the, I mean, it was, I really, I, I count in honor. I had the honor and privilege of serving on several different sexual assault response teams, whether Um, I would get a call from a girl, like, and it had happened two hours before. Sometimes it was two years ago, and they finally decided that they wanted to tell somebody. Um, So whether it's you or a friend that comes to you, um, the first thing that I always encourage women is, like, is to tell somebody, and that is the hardest thing to do, but I think it's the best thing that you can do, because, I mean, going back to what we were talking about at the very beginning of this episode, like, you don't have to be alone, Mm -hmm. And when we feel alone in our experience, um, I mean, that's a dark place to be, to be shouldering and carrying a secret that's that's that big Mm -hmm. and dark and sometimes makes us feel shameful. Sometimes makes us feel like we somehow had a responsibility in it. I mean, those are lies, but the only way to free yourself from those lies of shame and guilt of something like this happening to you is by sharing it with somebody. Mm -hmm. And so my book, I kind of talk about the difference between if you choose to talk to somebody, which again, I hope that you do, um, knowing you can tell someone in confidence that won't tell anyone else. And there are There are different people on college campuses on who you can do that with. Like, of course, if you just share with your best friend who's not an employee of the university in any way, like, she doesn't have to tell anybody. And that's great. But if you tell your RA or if you tell a professor or someone like that, they are required by law to report it. Now, they'll do their best to, like, protect you and your wishes. But you have to know, like, you may be reporting to someone. So, basically, if someone is in a position at a university that is anything except being a counselor – or a chaplain, or the Title IX coordinator, which I explain what that is in my book, um, anyone else is going to have to report it if they work for the university. But, so I I always encourage, I mean, obviously, like, if a woman has talked to me about it, (laughs) they've talked to me about it. But in my book, um, I think the safest and easiest place to first go to is either an anonymous hotline. um, And I put that in the book, but it's um, Rain. it's 1-800-656-HOPE. Again, that's 1-800-656-HOPE. And you can also just go to rain, RAINN, and they have like an online chat scenario. But you can call in, and that person on the phone can not only just like listen and hear your story, but they can give you local resources for you. Um, and the other place that you can always call is your own campus um, counseling center. Like those counselors are there and they have to keep your story confidential. They are not allowed to report it to anyone unless they believe that you or someone else are in harm's way. Um, so like, you know, that your story can be safe with them for a time until, and you may want to report it. And, and I also walk through women, um, both in one-on-one counseling and in my book on how to do that. Um, so like that may be an option. Um, you may want to report and, and file a lawsuit and like that is completely your decision and you get to be in control of that narrative if you want to do that. Um, the piece in the middle of the, from telling someone confidentially and reporting it to law enforcement, um, if it's happened within the last 72 hours, you can go to a medical facility that will not only care for your body but also collect evidence This is where it starts feeling very, like, CSI, weird, scary, whatever. Um, If you, you know, if, if you were raped or sexually assaulted and you weren't sure if you wanted to report it, you can still go and have a physical exam and that evidence can be kept until you decide whether or not you want to do something with it. And every state law is different. But most states, it's around six months that they will hold on to something. They can hold on to it under Jane Doe. Like, it does not have to be reported. Um, And then it gives you six months to decide what you want to do with it. But so much of responding and um, surviving and just healing from these types of things is you being in control. It's like you deciding who you want to talk to. If you want to talk to somebody, if you want to report it, if you want to seek medical attention, um, you are behind the steering wheel and you get to decide what happens. And so, even in that, if you know, again, I, I cannot encourage you more to tell someone, but choose someone that you know is going to support whatever you want to do. Don't choose a friend that you know is going to push you to report it, or don't choose a fr- you know, like choose someone that you know is going to be a hundred percent on your side and. If you're, like, not positive, then maybe that's how you start the conversation of, like, hey, I want to tell you something, but I need you to j- just listen and support whatever I want to do. Like, that is a valid request of whoever you choose to share that story with. And the other side is if this, you know, if a friend comes to you saying, like, hey, like, I think I was sexually assaulted last night or, like, hey, I was raped last night or whatever that story is um, – Know that the bottom line is your goal is to say, I am so sorry and it is not your fault. And that's it. That's the goal of that conversation. Tell you that you believe her. Don't ask questions. Don't ask questions. What were you doing? Why did you do that? Listen. Tell her you love her, you believe her, and that you are there to support her however she wants. And that can be just keeping her secret. It can also be going with her to the counseling center. That can be calling the rain hotline on her behalf. That could be going with her to the medical facility. I mean, it the support ranges in a, a large variety of ways. But the bottom line is, not your fault. I hate that this happened to you. I love you. I believe you. And I want to support you. And... <laughs> Steph and I are over here crying right now. <laughs>
0: oh. Um... I'm so glad, I'm really glad that, um, I'm really glad we're talking about this. Um, one thing I, like, just one of my favorite resources, like, regardless of what we've been through in life, and I know this is one of yours too, is is going to counseling. Um, when, like, in all of our stories, we have different things that happen to us, or even things that we've done that are really hard, that are really damaging. We have shame that we're carrying around, um, and I think that I think that a lot of us are carrying things that we have never that we've never talked to somebody about, that we've never dealt with, yeah. that we've never walked through. Um, and I know that for you and I, like you and I, have each more than once <laughs> um, taken the step to seek counseling yep. to to go speak to someone who is a professional who can walk with us through some of this healing. Um, I'm in counseling right now, actually, um, which we, I can't, I don't know if that episode would have come out before or after this, but we're talking about it in season two. We'll talk all about counseling and like why I've decided to go and we're talking to um, a friend of mine who's a counselor and, and I know counseling has been really huge in your life too, but I just wanted to say that because I think that a lot of times we walk around with these things that have really broken us mm-hmm. and we feel like we're stuck in them and they're just, there are really wonderful people who, whose job it is, um, who are, who are, really good at walking with us into some healing through some of the things we've been through and that's like regardless of what you've been through and um, they're really good at that and and they're confidential and they're professional yep. and they know what they're doing and um I just I feel like I want to say that as many times as possible and as many different episodes as yes. possible <laughs> because like if I can do it you can do it too yeah um and if you can do it they can do it too yeah um we're going to try to dry our eyes here for a second. Um, (laughs) Hannah, the last question I wanted to ask you, um, other than the 8 million other ones that I want to talk about (laughs) that we won't have time to get to, um, is I know that, um, college is a really tough time on our faith. Um, that we, it's a time of, I mean, for me, it was a time of like coming to faith. I became a Christian in college. Um, and I know that that happens for a lot of us, but I know for a lot of us, you know, you go into college with a faith and, and college really tests it and challenges it. And, um, Sometimes changes it. Um, I know that one of the things that's really, really helpful, and this is in any transition you're going through, this is like step one and part of finding your people is find a church. Yes. Um, Can you talk about like some of the things that hold us back from that and also like how we get around
1: those? Yeah. I mean, I think one (laughs) holds us back is just plain laziness. Um, You know, you probably never picked a church before in your life. Like you, if you grew up in the church, you're probably going to the church that your parents, went to. There are definitely some high schoolers that I know that like came to the Lord and their parents weren't church and they chose to go to church. And that's amazing. Um, and likely they are more often going to find a church that they want to plug into in college. But I know for me, like I just couldn't find a church that I liked. I had grown up in actually my dad is a pastor. So I'd grown up, you know, as a preacher's daughter under my dad, I love the church I grew up in and there just wasn't a church like the one I had grown up in before. And so Um, it's easy to kind of church shop around for a while and then just get super lazy or never church shop because it's kind of nice to just sleep in on a Sunday. (laughs) Um, and
0: everyone regards, regardless of their age said, yeah, 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 (laughs) yeah,
1: we all feel, I really feel that right now. Um, but I am huge on pushing college students to choose a church and get involved because while it is great and important for you to get involved on campus in some kind of Bible study or Christian ministry, I think that is awesome. You're connecting with your peers at school. You need to do that. It's an easy way to find more friends that are like-minded. The value of you choosing a church in your college town and getting to know other people that are not just college students is like immeasurable. It is so easy to get so self-absorbed in like the 18 to 22-year-old mind frame when you're in college because that's literally the only people that you're around. And so for you to get plugged into a church where you could be serving in the nursery and like holding babies or if you don't like babies, like be a greeter or whatever. But like find a church and don't just show up. That was, that. I finally chose a church in college but all I did was I would sneak in the back like about 15 minutes late because I didn't like the worship band and I would listen to a sermon and if I had other friends there, I might talk to just my college friends and then I would slip out the door. But I was missing out on knowing families and older people in Harrisonburg, Virginia, where I was living for four years and I could have been involved in like kids' lives and parents' lives and people who would speak into my life and give me Way better perspective on where things were going than like my best, you know, my 21-year-old best friend was. Um, And so it's just important. It's important to come together at the beginning of a week as a body, um, being fed God's word, like responding in worship. And again, I know you might be doing that on like a Wednesday or Thursday night as part of Young Life or crew or whatever. But there's something about having a rhythm at the beginning of each week to reframe your mind. In a multi-generational setting. Um, I think it's really important. And again, like you can't have enough truth being fed to you <laughs> throughout the week. Like, you're not gonna be overfed spiritually. Let me tell you. It's not gonna happen. Um, so so pick a church. And I think the like biggest challenge is again, like, I don't I can't find one that I like. Well, finding A church is not like shopping for a dress, okay? We're not looking for something that, like, we love the color and we like how it fits our body and it's just the right length, but the shoulders aren't too tight. Like, it is not about it fitting and conforming to us in the way that we like. Um, It's about participating in the larger church body that, like, Christ designed. And so my thing that I encourage is, Find a church that opens the Bible and teaches from it. Um, There are lots of churches that have great feel-good sermons, and that's, like, all fine and good, but you can read a lot of self-help books. Like, it's out there, and you can feed yourself that stuff. Find a church that opens the Bible and actually, like, teaches from the Bible. And then, I mean, find ones that, like, where you can connect with people. Like, don't worry about the music so much. Don't worry about what the building looks like so much. Like, let go of some of these preconceived notions of how church has to be explore denominations if you grew up 100 percent southern baptist or 100 percent methodist like whatever try other denominations you never know how another denomination might teach you something the way that they respond in worship like whatever i mean as college is a time to explore it's also a time to explore your christian faith and denominations and what other churches have to hold and all that good stuff
0: i i love that and um I like yes to every single bit of that, I think also, like you kind of mentioned you know, on Tuesday or Thursday night or whatever, like getting involved in some sort of campus ministry. I know that that was I went to a great church on Sundays, and I loved it, and it's still like when I think of my home church, I still think of this church um it's I just love it, but um, I was involved in a really amazing college ministry, and I didn't get involved until like my senior year. And I didn't really actually for my first half of my senior year, I would go and it was on Tuesday nights, but then taco Tuesday was after that. And so I would go and I would get drunk at the bars afterwards. So that was my story. (laughs) Halfway through that, I actually started going and I went on my first mission trip and I like started taking it seriously. And I got to know the people there and it changed my life. It changed the whole thing. And the thing that was crazy about that is that, like, I became a Christian before that. I became a Christian and had no idea what to do with it. I didn't have any Christian friends. I, you know, I was different, but my, my, like, college social life, my partying scene, my party scene, everything was the same. And it just didn't, I was so lonely mm-hmm. because I didn't fit in in one world anymore, but I hadn't. Like, I had changed, but I hadn't changed completely, and I didn't have anyone to do it with, and my faith was just, like, it felt so hollow and so lonely, and I finally, found, when I finally found people to walk through it with, I, it, like, the rest of my whole life changed. Everything changed, and so, um, find a church on Sundays. Also find a college ministry, because I promise you, on every single one of your campuses, there's a good one. Yeah. Um, there's, uh, like, gosh, there's so many. Help me think of some of them.
1: There are... RUF... Crew, Delight, um, what did I just mention earlier? There's you said so Young many. Life. Young Life. Yep. Um, there are a lot. There are so many.
0: Um, and SCA. so, yeah, so look, look them up. There are really amazing people in there and they love Jesus and are chasing after him. And there are so many events too, like, um, my little sister went to, Uh, the University of Colorado where I went and she got there a year after I graduated and I was working at the campus ministry at that time and I got to like invite her into things. There's so many amazing like freshman events or even beginning of the year events. Like there are people that work there and I was one of them that are there to connect you with other people that think like you want to think and are, are living a life like you want to live. And so when it comes to surrounding yourself with people, your faith will be so much stronger and will make it through college if you have people to walk with. And yes. so, like, go out of your way, do the awkward thing, like, stay after, meet someone, join a small group, like, yep. get out of your comfort zone and yep. make yourself do it. And your whole college career will be different
1: because of it. Yes. Oh. Amen.
0: Whew. Man, I'm exhausted <laughs> after this. Um, Hannah, I love you. One, two, I love your book. Tell us. Tell us the date when it comes out again. Tell us how we can follow you, how we can find you, and how
1: we can get this book. Yes. So April 3rd, if you go to hannahseymour.com, there's no H at the end of Hannah. It's so tricky. hannahseymour.com, and you can buy my book straight from there, but you can get it on Amazon, you can get it at Lifeway, all sorts of other places, but hannahseymour.com, and um, same with, if you go there, you can, you know, see all my social media I'm on the Instas and, you know, all the all the places.
0: <laughs> um, we'll link to all of that in the show notes so you guys can go to um, my blog and click everything there, which, by the way, that's true of every episode. If you go to stephaniemaywilson.com slash blog – There will be show notes for everything that we talk about on every episode. And I work really hard on those. So go over there, (laughs) click the links, find the people. Um, But y'all should really follow Hannah because, one, she's amazing. Two, you can see photos of her sweet husband and her stinking cute baby. um, And all of her book information will be there.
1: Hannah, thank you. Yes, this is my pleasure. This is so fun.
0: You guys, isn't Hannah the best? I just loved her and I loved this conversation. And I'm so happy I got to share it with you really thank you so much for listening i can't tell you how much it means to me to have you here at our girls nights before you go i would love it if you do two quick things the first is to subscribe subscribing to the podcast is the very best way to make sure you never miss an episode it's also a way easier way to listen because it's a way of sort of bookmarking the podcast you never have to go looking for it again your app will just automatically download the next episode when a new one's released The other thing is that it would mean so much to me if you would take a quick second to leave a rating and a review for the podcast. The way that iTunes knows to suggest the podcast to new people is by the ratings and the reviews. That's how we invite new friends to our girls nights. So would you do me a huge favor and just take a second to leave a rating and a quick comment about how you like the podcast so far? It would really help us out so much. And thank you so much to all of you who have left all of those beautiful five-star reviews already. I cannot tell you how much it means to me. Friends, that's all we have for today, but we'll be back next week with another episode of Girls Night, and I cannot wait. I'll see you then.